You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Good morning, church. Thank you, Jody. Um, Man, we are in the middle of this Holy Spirit uh, series of understanding the Holy Spirit more. And I know sometimes that the Holy Spirit can feel like it's spooky. You guys are so distracted. Um, if you don't know, they can put messages up on the screen there. And All right. I'm going to pray now. Thanks a lot, Brett. God, we need you. Lord, help us. Open our ears and open our hearts, God. Allow us to focus on what you want to share this morning with us, uh, what you want to uh, uh, give us, God, what you want to impart in us, Lord. Uh, we are open and we are ready. Uh, Jesus, please help us in your mighty name. Amen. Awesome. Ange uh, did an amazing job last week talking about um, just a few aspects of the Holy Spirit. Um, some of the notes that I took was, number one was the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation. Number two was the Holy Spirit gives us understanding about who he is. And number three, uh, the notes that I took, the Holy Spirit gives us power. How many of you are, are, are thankful that the Holy Spirit gives us power? right? That power is very important. Uh, Before that, Vanessa led us in an amazing prayer, and and she brought to our attention this thing about wineskin, and that the Lord is wanting to do something new, and he wants to give us new wineskins. And that isn't something uh, abnormal that we haven't heard in the life of our church, but I did feel that it was very important and very crucial for last week. I believe the Lord was doing something. I believe God is still doing something as we are in this Holy Spirit series as we understand the power and as we understand what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us, it is important to understand that God wants to do something new in us. And to do something new in us, we got to get the old out. Amen? So as I was praying for my message and I was praying for for just what I was going to share, um, I was afraid. I was afraid of what the Lord was going to have me share. Um, I got a phrase... And it was just a phrase, but I felt the Lord give me this this phrase last week, from chains to change. So in other words, from chains to transformation. And then I felt like I I got the fear of God over me. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to talk about this. I don't don't think that we're ready to go this deep. I I don't want to go this deep. Anybody else can go this deep, but I don't want to go this deep. And um, I, I really felt the Lord saying, no, this is what we need to hear. Uh, I didn't feel like I was ready. I, I know that this, this topic can go on for months. We can talk about what I'm going to talk about in 30 to 40 minutes for months. So I already am going to apologize for not being able to cover everything to get into detail. It, it, I'm just going to scratch a very small piece of the surface today. Um, and I know that, and I, I believe the Lord knows that. Um, but I also believe that this is something that the God has put in my heart today. Amen. I have to trust Jesus. I have to trust the Holy Spirit. I have to believe that he is leading us and I just have to follow, right? Um, I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to take us from chains to freedom this morning. Amen. I believe the, the Holy Spirit wants to bring us, from, uh, uh, bring us to freedom and fulfillment this morning. Amen. Now, when I talk about freedom and when I talk about fulfillment and when I talk about from chains to change, it sounds like a good idea. But a lot of us and and also myself, we don't feel very free. 
And that's why I got these chains here. And some of you are laughing, but a lot of us feel like this is how we look in the spirit, right? We're carrying these chains around everywhere we go, right? We go to the church, we come through these doors, and we just carry our chains everywhere we go. I only have a 10-pound weight because I don't sin very much. Some of you (laughs) might have a 25-pound weight. Some of you might have a 100-pound weight. Some of you have multiple 100-pound weights. I don't know, right? But you're laughing. But in the spirit, this is how we go to work. In the spirit, this is how we go to school. In the spirit, this is how we enter our church building. And when we sing to work, when we, when we stand up and we sing to worship and we, and we come to church and we, we, we put on that smiley face and we're looking good, we drop our weights, we drop our chains, and now it's time to worship. But it's hard to worship when we're bound. It's hard to be free when we're carrying these chains everywhere we go. We can't be free. We can't be too free because everywhere we're going, we're, how you doing, sister? How you doing? I'm I'm living life. God is good. Amen. God is good. But here, everywhere we're going, we're just carrying around these chains. We're lumping around these chains everywhere we go. And I'm telling you, church, this is not freedom. And I don't like doing props and I don't like doing gimmick things, but I really felt this is what God said. This is the way we look sometimes. Maybe not all of you. Maybe I'm just exposing myself. I don't know. But this is how I feel sometimes. Amen. I believe we've all been there. We feel like, you know what? This is exactly what I deserve, though. I need, I deserve these chains because you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how far I ran away from the Lord. No, these chains are good because you know what? Hey, I got to remember that I can't just be too free in here. Right? I know Jesus died on the cross. I know he loves me, but you know what? I'm just going to keep these here just to remind myself that I just cannot be too free. This is what I deserve. Some of us may be in here saying, you know what? I feel a little bit too free today. Let me get my neighbor's chains and let me put my neighbor's chains over my shoulders as well. Because you know what? I I don't believe God has freed me too much and I don't want to look too happy and I don't want to be too free. But I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to offer us some, some, some freedom this morning. Amen? Amen? I believe God wants to break some chains today. I believe the Lord wants to remove the chains, remove the weights. But we have to let them. Amen? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans 7. Romans 7, uh, verse 14 to 25. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. He's writing to the church in Rome. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong... This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody get excited about that. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. My mind, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. If Romans 7 ended this way, it would be pretty lackluster. If Romans 7 just ended this way and we just took that for what it is and we just said, wow, I guess we're just, we're living in sin. And even though we want to do right, even though our heart is right, we're just going to constantly just do what is wrong. That is what Paul's at. And Paul's an amazing man of God. But look, even Paul struggles. Even Paul's talking about his failure. Every time we would read Romans 7, and if it just ended like that, we would, we would re be reminded constantly of our failures. We would be constantly reminded of the struggles of our sin. Luckily, through God, thank God, it doesn't end there. It says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God that the answer isn't, let's just cover it up. Thank God that the answer isn't, you know what, let me just suppress it and let me just pretend and let me just fake it. We don't want letting people know that we're struggling with some stuff. Thank God that's not the answer. Thank God the answer to how we get free is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? That was just my intro. Thank you. Romans 8 is regarded as one of the most important chapters in the Bible. There is so much freedom. There is so much importance that is done and written down in Romans 8 that we will not be able to get through today. And that's why I was apologizing. So I encourage you to read Romans 8 when you get home, in your studies, read all of chapter 8. It is very important as believers that that is in us and that we understand where we stand in the Lord. But for those of us who may not know the Bible, there are some Christianese words that are in here. Um, quickly, I just want to just uh, give just a little bit of a background or a little um, uh, meaning to what are these words that we're going to read and some of the words that you will read as you take home Romans 8 and you read that. Amen? So sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is not being able to live by a godly standard. It's an immoral act of God against God. That is what sin is. We're going to read about the law. The law was an obligation of God's people. They would follow the rules and the commands, and they needed to live by it to be in obedience to God. Uh, all of God's people will live to gain favor and blessings. But the problem with the law is it was good, but it was impossible to keep. It was, it was good and holy, but it was powerless to transform us. Amen? There's words like justification. And to justify means to declare righteous 
we, uh, where a sinner has been made right by God, right? You're not guilty. We cannot earn justification by keeping rules and doing good works. It comes from the Lord. Sanctification. Sanctification is the, a fancy word that, that it describes the transformation that is taking place within the believer's life, right? Um, um, it, it begins to take um, steps towards holiness day by day, right, for the sinner, and then there's this thing called the sinful nature, and that's, re- and that's referred to our human weakness and bondage to sin. And I just wanted to, to kind of just go over that because that's what you're going to run into as you read Romans 8. I'm going to talk, I'll be talking to about uh, two, two people this morning, unbelievers and believers, okay? Saved people and unsaved people. I am going to be using those words. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8. We're going to go through it verse by verse, which is a little bit different. Normally, I like to read through the verse, but this is way too long. So as a church, we are going to go through this verse by verse. Sassy is going to help me out. Ready when you are. All right. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I thought there would be a little bit more of a excitement to that (laughs) there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus paul has started off romans 8 was already some very heavy hitting truth some very heavy truth that we need to understand that there is no condemnation for those who believe in jesus christ if you are you in this room if you're at home and you're listening there is no condemnation there is no punishment If you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a believer, if you have said yes to the Lord, there is no condemnation for your life. Church, can we say that? Can we say that? Can we say there is no condemnation? condemnation. Tell your neighbor there's no condemnation. (laughs) For those who are in Christ Jesus, say it again, church, get it right. There is no condemnation. condemnation. Say the right word, please. You are not condemned. And I hope this is good news for you this morning. Sometimes we can get casual as we read the word of God and we just skip through these words and, oh, that's a big word. That's kind of daunting. I don't, I don't want to look into it, but that's an important word. That's important. We got to let that truth sink in for our lives and what Paul is writing here. When we think of condemning somebody, we think of a courtroom, right? We think of a court and a judge giving a judgment to somebody a guilty judgment, right? Giving a penalty when there's a sentencing and then there's an actual punishment for for whatever they did, right? A lot of us, like I said, are walking through church thinking we are condemned and that we are going to be punished. And what we read in Romans 8, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think we can get excited for that. See, this sentence comes from the highest court. This sentence right here of no condemnation comes from the king of kings. It comes from Jesus. It comes from God. It comes from the author and creator of the universe. He has declared this, that those who believe in Christ Jesus are no longer guilty. Why? Because Jesus took the full penalty of our sins. Jesus took the full penalty of every sin that you've ever committed, that you will commit, that you have committed, He took all those sins on that cross. He paid the penalty for us. It's covered 
by his blood. Amen? Because of what Jesus has done on that cross, we are not counted as guilty and we will not be punished on the day of judgment. Paul knows that we sin. We know that we sin. We know that we fail. We know that we slip up. We know we make mistakes. We know that there's failures, but we have to understand that there's no condemnation. There is no condemnation. It doesn't say that there is no consequences to our sin, but we know that there is no condemnation for our sin if we find ourselves in Jesus Christ. Verse number two. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And that is that freedom that we're talking about uh, this morning. That's the, the, the freedom that we're singing about this morning. It comes from the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has freed us from sin, from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen? See, the reality that as believers, we have been set free from the power of sin. We have been, free, we have been set free from the power of sin and death. And it is by only the life-giving Spirit that he has freed us. And that's important to understand. It's not by good works. It's not by trying hard. It's not, it's not about pretending and putting on a smiley face and acting like everything is good. That is not how we are freed from sin. We are free from sin and the power of death by the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that's that word justification. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the act of Jesus Christ. Going back to Romans 8, verse 3, it says the law of Moses was, un was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over, over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. See, following the rules and the regulations of the law was impossible. It couldn't save. There was no power to the law. There's no power to following rules. The purpose of the law was just to make our sin a little bit more understandable. It was to expose our sin. It was to reveal just how really weak we are and how bad we are. But the law didn't have the power to remove those sins. Amen. Verse 4, so he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We need to understand, church, that Jesus didn't come to condemn sinners. Church, Jesus didn't come down to condemn sinners. Despite what you see on the news Despite what you see on social media, despite what the signs that you see on freeway overpasses and people carrying signs, Jesus didn't come to condemn sinners. He came down to condemn the sin. Despite what you see, we have to understand that that is what Jesus came down for. He came to take away the power of sin, the power that sin had over us, the power that controls us and kills us. That's why Jesus died on that cross. Jesus came to give us life. Church, say life. life. 
Jesus came to satisfy us. And it's through Jesus he fulfills all the requirements of the law. Verse 5. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think, uh, think about things that please the Spirit. I'll say it again. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are going to please the Spirit. If you are unsaved, those who have not made Christ as, as your Savior, you haven't accepted Jesus in your life, um, the, the Holy Spirit's not inside them. The Holy Spirit's not inside you. Right? It's hard to say. We can change that this morning. But if you are unsaved, there's no Holy Spirit. So that's why we see all the unsaved people just acting crazy. There's no spirit in there guiding them, giving them power. Right? They're dominated by their sinful nature. They're dominated by their sinful thinking. But you are dominated by the things of the Spirit. Amen. The unbeliever, the unsaved person does not have the Holy Spirit inside them, which means you live by the flesh. You allow the flesh to control you. You live in the flesh. You live for the flesh. That person's mind as an unbeliever or unsaved person with no Holy Spirit is only his, their mind is only centered on one thing, feeding the cravings of the sinful nature to satisfy the flesh. They only live according to the flesh. They are dominated by everything that the flesh produces. But as believers, church, those of us in this room have accepted Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The living God is inside of us. That leads, leads us to live a whole different way than we see our buddies and our friends, right? Our minds are not fixed on, on feeding the flesh or, or the cravings of the flesh. Our minds are are fixed on living for Christ. Our minds are living for our minds are fixed on living for the spirit. Amen. Verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. The unsaved person, the unbeliever is alive physically, yes, but they're dead spiritually. They find themselves dead to the things of God. They don't understand it. There's, there's nothing there. They don't respond to the spirit. They don't respond to the things of God. They might be a good person. They might give to your favorite charity. They might have the biggest Bible in the room. But if they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they haven't allowed that Holy Spirit to control their mind. God does not dwell in that person, and they're missing the Holy Spirit. Verse six, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to a life, oh, leads to life and to peace. Letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This looks nothing like sin and death. This is nothing like sin and death, church. This is life and peace. This is freedom and fulfillment. This is from, this is chains bound bondage to change to transformation this is a whole different way of living life life and peace not just peace of mind but peace with god this is what the holy spirit does when he is in us amen 
Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. Always hostile. Always hostile. Not a little different. Not a little, you know, oh, it's just, you know, a little disagreement. It's a little, it's a little funky in there, you know, whatever. You can't really tell. No, it's hostile. It is hostile. There is a war going on. Our sinful nature, there's a war happening. The flesh will never submit to God. The flesh and our sinful nature will never please God. It's impossible to be in the flesh and in the spirit. It's impossible. It's hostile. Verse 8. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Those who are under the control of sin can never please God because it's never your will. If we are allowing our sinful nature to take control of our lives, it's never thy will. It's never your will, God. It's always my will. It's always what I feel. It's always what I want. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I want to live this way. It's never bowing its knee to, God, what do you want? What, do you, what are you saying? That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God because it's never thy will. It is always my will. See, the root of sin is selfishness. It's selfishness. It's what I want, what I want to do. But, verse 9, but, but you, church, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You have the Spirit of God living inside you. The Spirit makes it possible for, for us to resist the power of sin. The Holy Spirit makes it possible that we can remove that sin and that power of sin over our lives. We have the power to say no. We have the power to run. We have the power to resist and to flee it. There's no power that is over us when we have the Holy Spirit inside us. Amen. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Justification. The spirit gives you life. Church, can we take a breath? Take a breath. Feel that? There's some people that are alive in here. You are alive in here. My question this morning is, what are you living for? Are you living for the spirit or are you living for your flesh? I hope we know the answer. I hope it's God. I hope it's the spirit. The spirit is alive in you. You are alive because of Christ's righteousness. Amen. What are you living for this morning, church? To, to feed our flesh or to feed the spirit? Verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Once again, there is life, not only life today, but life eternally. We have an eternal hope that when Jesus, when we take our last breath here on earth, we will live again in glory. We will live again in the presence of God for all eternity. All of this by the spirit that is living with inside you today. There is power, church. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Somebody say amen. amen. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, there's no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Once again, that is the word power through the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Church, we are led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit confirms our sonship. The Holy Spirit confirms our position. The Holy Spirit under, uh, confirms that we are God's kids. The Holy Spirit confirms that we have an intimate relationship with Christ, our Savior. We don't have to question where we stand with God. Are we foes? Are we friends? Are we enemies? Does God see me? Does God love me? You are a son and you're a daughter of Christ, amen, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. That is something to get excited about. We have an intimate relationship with God because we will inherit many promises and blessings. We are going to be co-heirs. We read that in verse 15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. See, the Holy Spirit does not enslave us. The Holy Spirit doesn't scare us into heaven. The Holy Spirit doesn't push us down and make us feel like we're less than and, and, and put chains on. It, it doesn't frighten us to do what God has asked us to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't force or make us do the right thing. We don't have to be afraid. How many of us know that when we go to church and people are saying, oh, I'm not going in there. You know, I'm going to burst up into flames. That's not true. Some of you guys wouldn't be here. <laughs> but it's not a fear. It's not a fear that should take us. We shouldn't be frightened by the things of God. The Holy Spirit does not enslave us or frighten us with threats and guilt of condemnation. There's not this little angel that's you know, rolling around our heads and reminding us you're going to go to hell. If you do that, you're going to go to hell. Hey, if you, if you, if you make that decision... You know what? You know, I hope you like fire. <laughs> we feel like that. We feel like there's a God in heaven waiting to just throw lightning bolts at us the minute we slip up. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. We have a secure role in God's family. Verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. 
In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. When our lives are placed in Christ, we share in his life. We share in his goodness. We share in the promises. We share in the blessings. We share in the strength. We do also have to share in those sufferings because there's, like we said, there's a battle going on in this life. If we're in here, we're going to have this battle. We're going to have this war going on of doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And should I do this? And should I do that? It's a suffering time. There, there's death in, in this world. There's death in this life. That's a suffering that we still have to live out and that we still have to walk through. We still are a part of this fallen world. So even though we share in his life, we also share in his sufferings. We share in his death. We share in his righteousness and even in his resurrection. And as co-heirs and children, we share in who he is and what he has done. Church, we are united with Christ forever. Forever in glory. We are united. That's a covenant. That's a promise. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, if you have said yes to the Lord, we are we're set. Church, the Holy Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring threats. The Holy Spirit doesn't enslave with chains and guilt and shame. There is life and there is freedom. The Holy Spirit brings a power that transforms. A power that transforms. The Holy Spirit does the work. We can't pretend it. We can't fake it. We can't behavior modification it. We can't just change our behavior and make sure we don't cuss from 10 o'clock to 11.30. The Holy Spirit does that work. The Holy Spirit does the work. The Holy Spirit brings life, peace, freedom. The Holy Spirit has the power that transforms our minds and our lives. Church, and if you're living in anything else that contradicts that list of freedom, of power, of life, of peace, we might still be living with the chains shackled on. If when you come in here, you feel a heaviness and a weightiness of you're not good enough, and hey, remember that argument. And hey, and remember that word that you said. And hey, remember that action you did the other day. And remember when you cut that guy off. And remember when that guy cut you off and you gave him some cer certain hand gestures. That's not the spirit. We're not living in freedom. We might still be living with that condemnation of, of living in guilt and shame. If there's any thoughts in our minds and we're fighting our thoughts of not being good enough, and I don't know if God loves me, and I don't know if God sees me, and I don't know if God cares. Then we're not living with the Spirit. We're not living with the peace and the life and the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings. Church, if you feel like every day when you wake up and it feels like you're lugging around these chains, when you go to work and you're just dragging in the chains, I'm telling you, you're not living in the freedom that the Holy Spirit produces. I believe that God wants to walk, um, wants us to walk in freedom today. 
So if I can, can I invite the worship team up? If I can invite everybody to stand. Don't worry about what's happening behind me. Think about condemnation, shame, and guilt. I want to just bring that to the Lord this morning. Let's think about freedom. I want to bring that to the Lord this morning. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know where you stand with the Lord. I believe we'll get into that as well. But when we're talking about the chains and the shame and the guilt and the death, if that rang true to you right now, why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord? I believe God wants to speak over you this morning with the simple phrase of freedom. Freedom. There's freedom. There's life. There's no condemnation. There's no punishment. If you have said yes to the Lord, there is life and there is freedom. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to live through life walking on eggshells and, and thin ice. You are free. And I believe if you want to be free this morning, if you can just, between you and the Lord, if there's sin in your life, if there's things that you're holding on to, if there's weight that you are holding on to, if there's struggles that you're going through, lay it at the feet of the Lord. Repent from those sins. Repent from those thoughts. Repent from those actions. And give it to the Lord this morning. I believe the Lord wants freedom. No more shackles. No more bondage. No more lies. No more pretending, no more facades, freedom. Now this thing about no condemnation, there was, it was conditional. It was if you have the Holy Spirit inside you. So I wanna make that, that announcement, I wanna, I wanna make that clear today. If you have never said or accepted Christ in your life today, I want to give you that opportunity to do so. I want you to be in there for eternity in heaven, in the presence of the Lord. So if that's you, if you've never said a prayer and accepted Christ in your life, why don't you raise your hand? I want to just lead you to a quick prayer. There's freedom in this place. There's freedom in Christ. Lord, I'm thankful, God, for those who are saved in this room. Lord, I'm thankful, God, for those who are free in this room. Those who have the power of the Holy Spirit inside them. We're thankful, God. Lord, and those who may be struggling with sin, may be struggling with shame, 
Lord, I pray, God, that we would repent as a people. And I pray, God, that we would run to you. Holy Spirit, I ask, God, that you would bring freedom. Freedom over our minds, over our hearts, and in our actions, God. That we would say no to you, that we refuse, not you, God, but our sinful nature. And we would say yes to your Holy Spirit that is living inside us. Lord, I pray, God, that there would be freedom from this day forward, that the shackles are gone and the chains are gone and the weights are gone. Lord, that we will be able to live life in freedom, God, in your leading, in your power, Holy Spirit.